This sermon audio is presented to you by Pastor Tommy Brandon and Calvary Church of Fort Worth. For more information, visit our website at calvaryftw.com. Against all odds. That's what we're going to be studying today. To our guests and our friends that are visiting with us, I've met several of you. You have made our morning just being here. I'm so thankful for you that are visiting today. And I just want you to be yourself, be at home, and enjoy the word of the Lord with us as friends today. There's every now and then something in life that pops up that you think, man, there's no way it's going to change. The odds are too great. This one is too big of a struggle. Nothing's ever going to change in this. Everything's against me. And I'm way down here always looking up to see just the bottom. The odds are not good. I'm taking a few weeks and talking about this, but we're going deeper than just that generalization, and we're narrowing it down and really focusing in on a few key things where the odds are stacked against us. Last Sunday, if you were here, uh, you would recall that we talked about the feeling of being uh, disqualified, not fitting in, not being enough, of making a change in your world. Here's what you got to catch, this thing called your world. There's something called your world, meaning globalization, the global effect of your world. All of us are living on the same planet, and uh, some of you, I wonder sometimes if you're on the same planet with me, because sometimes I get goofy. Uh, I need to be brought down to earth sometimes. But, But we're all living in this same big world. But then we all have our own little worlds, meaning our families, our jobs, our neighborhoods, Uh, our close connections, those are our world. And what I'm trying to get across is if you will be passionate about changing your little world, you will find yourself playing a role in changing the world. In the second service, which is this 11 o'clock service last Sunday, I felt strong to do something that I didn't do in the first service. I don't know why, other than just being led a different direction. But I talked to all of us that are daddies, and I talked to all of you that are mothers that if you want to change your world, look at what God's given you just in your children. Look at what God's given you. You can shape a whole nother generation just by the gifts of your babies that God's given you. So that's the concept. But today we're going to stay within the series against all odds. But we're going to kind of tailor it in a little bit different fashion. And I want to talk today that sometimes we feel That our past, everyone say our past. Yeah, we feel that our past is something that's not going to allow us to move into our future. And the odds of us ever having a better tomorrow than yesterday is not looking good because we know what our yesterdays are like. And they hang over us. They're constantly a reminder of who we are and they sneak up on us and they tap us on our shoulders and say, Oh, but I know the real you because do you remember 1993? Do you remember 2007? Do you remember that night, that day? What I want to preach about is that God wants to move you out of a dark past into a bright future. So how am I going to set this up? Well, I always like to think about funny things. It gets me through my day. Uh, I find myself all by myself in my truck. No one else is there, and I'm laughing. 
at people, at myself, at just life. I just don't want to be that guy that's at the red light where people are going, what's wrong with him? And he's just bawling. He's a poor little thing. He, he done lost his dog or something. I want him looking at me at the red light going, I want what he's on. That brother's feeling good. So, I told my wife yesterday afternoon, I was getting ready. I had a wedding to officiate last night. And before I left for the wedding, I told my wife, I said, I'm so, I'm so excited about my two little made-up, completely fake little stories that I just made up for my little introduction. I said, nobody else may think they're funny, but I think they're funny. All of us are known by our past. None of us are known from our futures because we've yet to get there. Everything about you that I know about you is based on your past. I, maybe it's where you went to school. Maybe it's uh, what job you used to have. Maybe it's a car you used to drive. Maybe it's a trip we went on together. But it's all about yesterday. We don't know the future, so we can't know one another based on future. In other words, most of the time we know each other based on all the dropped balls, all the blunders, all the, all the missed opportunities. We very seldom could know anyone based on their future victories or their future success. So therefore, it's always negative. Your past is always something about what went wrong. Something like this, and here's my little made-up story. Hey, Fred, Fred, you remember Mike? You know Mike, right? Before anybody freaks out, I completely made these up. So you're not Fred or Mike, don't worry. Yeah, you remember him, you know him, right? You know him, right? Oh, of course I know. You talking about Mike from school? Yeah, I know Mike. Man, do I know Mike. You talking about Mike, the one that had two minutes left on the clock in the state championship game, and the boy dropped the ball at the five-yard line with no one in front of him, butters on his hands, and he dropped the ball. It cost the state championship? Yeah, I know Mike. Better yet, hey, kids, y'all remember Aunt Margie, right? God, I love that name, Aunt Margie. It just struck me funny. Y'all know Aunt Margie, right? Daddy, I don't think I know Aunt Margie. Yeah, you do. You know Aunt Margie. Aunt Margie, Daddy? I know Aunt Susie. I know Aunt Shelly, but Aunt Margie? Yeah, Aunt Margie. Oh, Daddy, Aunt Margie. You're talking about Aunt Margie at the family reunion, right? That tripped over the electric cord and spilled the potato salad all over the floor, and her wig fell off her head into the bowl of Kool-Aid. I remember Aunt Margie. And I threw the hair wig joke in there because first service got some of them rocking in the first service. <laughs> you always got to do something to connect with your audience. You look for ways to connect. You look for that way in. That way that makes them think, wow, he really knows where I'm living. And this morning, boy, it looked like it was crazy this morning. When I hit that punchline about that, they all went. <laughs> he better leave Margie alone. Uh... All of us are known from our past. And we know each other from our past. And the Spirit of the Lord just wants to come by this morning and visit you and let you know that the plan, for God, plan of God for your life is to move you out of a dark past where you can see and catch a glimpse of what God has planned in your future. 
But you have to be set free from that old nagging, pestering reminder called the past. There was a man in Scripture by the name of the Apostle Paul. If you would like to, I'm going to spend some time in the book of Acts, chapter number 26. Acts chapter 26, if you would like to have it in front of you. We find a gentleman by the name of Paul. And he's had something radical happen in his life. His life was completely changed for the good. And everyone on the street had heard that Paul's life had been changed. To the point where those felt in opposition to the good things that Paul was doing, wanted to know what really happened in your life that brought about this kind of change. So there was an old boy named King Agrippa that summoned Paul and said, I need you to come and tell me exactly what happened in your life. So Paul entered into King Agrippa's presence in Acts chapter number 26 and verse number 4 we see that Paul begins to share his conversion story. But before he could tell what God had done in his life, he had to tell what lifestyle that he used to live. Are you with me this morning? I read from the NIV this morning, the Jewish people all know the way that I have lived ever since I was a child. Man, whenever I was called into the ministry and whenever I yielded myself over to the ministry, I remember the first few trips back home to Louisiana and I'd run into friends and they would just look at me cross-eyed and absolutely drool coming off their lips confused how are you a preacher <laughs> I have heard that you're a preacher tell me it's not so and you're stuck cause you know what they know that you know that they know that you know about yourself and you have to look at them and make that choice you gotta say uh uh, yes, I am. And then they go, ha, no, 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 for real. And it's like, yeah, for real. And if you bring that stuff up, I'm going to knock you out because <laughs> people where I live don't know anything about that. <laughs> Boy, I get these friend requests on social media, and I'm like, uh-uh, 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 uh-uh. No, I don't know him. Oh, but boy, do I know him, and do they know me. Sometimes it's crazy. When people know you from knee-high up, they know the real you. They know all there is to know about you. And Paul is saying, ever since I was a kid, these people know me. You can ask King Agrippa, you can ask anyone around these streets, they know me. And they will testify of my life from a childhood up. From the beginning of my life in my own country and also in Jerusalem, they have known me for a long time and can testify if they are willing. 
that I conformed to the strictest sect of our religion. I used to live as a Pharisee. Now, it's going to be hard for everyone to connect with this this morning, but I'm hoping that some of us will stretch ourselves mentally now and try to put yourself into the environment of King Agrippa hearing what Paul's saying. Paul's just owning, he's owning up to being an arrogant, self-righteous, religious Pharisee. He just admitted to being a strict, judgmental, legalistic Pharisee. He just owns this. Come clean with it. And then in verse 9, he says, I too was convinced that I ought to do all that was possible to oppose the name of Jesus of Nazareth. On the authority of the chief priest, I put many of the Lord's people in prison. And when they were put to death, I even cast my vote against them. Did you catch this? Paul, King Agrippa's wanting to know what's changed your life. And before he could talk about the change in his life, Paul had to make sure King Agrippa knew who he was. I'm the guy that used to hunt down Christians. I've killed Christians. I've spent my life opposing the work of Jesus Christ. If there's ever been a man in Scripture that had a dark enough past that God would probably really think long and hard and consider if he would really be able to use him or not, Paul qualifies as that guy because his past is dark, it's messed up, he's got blood on his hands, he was an evil man. Maybe when you think about your past, maybe Paul's lifestyle is a stretch. Maybe that's an extreme, but the purpose of me sharing this extreme, exaggerated example is for you to see this morning if Paul qualifies to have a life change by the help of God, we all qualify to have a life change by the power of God. Paul then makes the turn in his conversation with King Agrippa. He had to set the stage of how bad he used to be in order to show King Agrippa and us as the readers of Acts 26 of what God's done in his life now. Verse 12, on one of these journeys, I was going to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priest. About noon, we got nine minutes to hit 12. About noon, King Agrippa I was on the road. I saw a light from heaven. This light was brighter than the sun, blazing around me and my companions. We all fell to the ground. I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It's hard for you to kick against the goads. And then I asked, who, who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, whom you're persecuting, the Lord replied. Verse 16, now get up, stand on your feet. I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you have seen and will see of me. 
I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I'm sending you to them. I'm sending you to them to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Open up your mouth this morning and say, in just one moment. Come on, let's say it again. Matter of fact, let's go, let's go like third grade style on it. Hold up your first finger and say, in just one moment. Yeah, you got to catch that. In just one moment, God changed everything for this man. One moment. He didn't have to have years of detox. He didn't have to have years of therapy. He didn't have to have years of getting it all straightened out. What he had was one moment by the touch and the power of God, and it changed everything in his world. One moment. Paul said, this is who I used to be. I used to be someone that opposed everything there was to oppose concerning Jesus Christ. I used to kill his followers. I used to hunt them down. But then I had a moment. Ooh, son. I had a moment where God changed everything. Just out of curiosity, has anybody ever had a God moment in your life? That's what I call these. These are God moments. That's just, that's just my terminology. You're not going to find that statement in Scripture. But I've had some God moments. A God moment, to make it real easy, a God moment is something that happens in your life that there is no doubting, there is no questioning, there is no debating. It was God that made something happen. And I've had a few God moments. I'll never forget, I've told this story. I've told this story before, just bear with me. And, and I, I just act like you never heard it before. I've told this story before. Man, I was just a kid in my little home church in a little country town in Louisiana. We, 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 we had a youth group, but then we had something kind of like Calvary's Kids for our little children. It wasn't near as cool as Calvary's Kids. Didn't have all the bells and the whistles, but... It was a good group of little kids, and we had something that we called Children's Church. Very creative name, Children's Church. Somebody spent a long time on that one, boy. What can we call it? Well, what is it? Church for Children's Children's Church. Bing! That's hot. Children's Church. So we had this thing called Children's Church, and sit back, relax, and just trust me because you're going to doubt me of who led Children's Church when I was 11 years old. None other than my own daddy led Children's Church when I was 11 years old. And the whole big, big people church spent their every Sunday praying for the children because they were being led by my daddy in Children's Church. He's not here this morning. I can get away with anything today. But my daddy was leading Children's Church. And what we would do as little kids, we would go into this little chapel. It was the upstairs. Pastor Ron remembers it well. He and Sister Sherry played a big role in even building that building there in Louisiana. And we had this little upstairs. It was the old former sanctuary, and they turned it into the children's church chapel. And we would do our little Sunday school songs, and then there'd be a Sunday school lesson, et cetera. But every now and then, it would, it would turn, and there would be God moments. It was more than just craft time. It was more than children's songs. There were God moments. And I was 11 years old. 
just a kid. And ladies and gentlemen, I know you've got your own God moments, but this one was special for me, and I just share it with you. There I was in a little thing called Children's Church. Didn't I, only, I only had 11 years of a past, and I mean, I made my best out of those 11 years. I was a little heathen, boy. But you know what? Something happened that day, and God reached down and touched my life in a way that I was a recipient. I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, just 11 years old. And the cool thing that happened to me was the very next week was our children's summer camp. It was a couple hours away. I know we got a big group of our kids going to be getting on a bus here in the next few weeks going to summer camp. Well, this is how naive and how innocent and how pure I was as a kid. I went to summer camp and had another God moment by the same way the Spirit of the Lord touched my life. <laughs> and I came home from children's summer camp, and one of the little elderly ladies in the foyer, in the church foyer, she came to me and she said, oh, 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 little Tommy. Let's put my wig back on. Oh, little Tommy, little Tommy. She said, I heard that a few weeks ago that you were baptized with the Spirit. And I was so innocent and precious as a kid. I said, ah, twice, because it happened to me last week too. Here's the thing. I had back-to-back -back weeks of a God moment. And the killer part is I've had multiple God moments ever since. Now, what I'm trying to get to is all it takes is a touch from God that can change your life forever. It's not necessarily going to be tied to a sermon. Sermons are great. They're educational and sometimes inspiring. But it's not going to be turned or, or tagged, rather. It's not going to be tied down to a song or even an environment. You can have a God moment in a hospital room. You can have a God moment in your car. You can have a God moment while jogging. Not real sure about that one, but you can try. But you can have a God moment wherever you are where you say enough is enough and I need something to change in my life, God, I make myself available for you to leave your thumbprint on my life. Change me. Some of you caught on to the scriptures I read. In the scriptures, he was referred to as Saul. And I keep calling him Paul. Well, in this day and time, God chose to change Saul's life in such a way he changed his name. Today, that's not gonna happen because it's tied to culture. Just know that your full identity can be changed when God comes into your life. He can change every single thing about you. People thought they knew who you were but you've been changed to someone else. People thought they remembered you as one thing, but now they get to know you as another thing because of one moment with the Lord. Someone clap your hands and receive this this morning. After Jesus tells Paul, and after the light touches Paul, rather, Jesus tells him, stand up, and get on your own feet. This is critical. So Paul's 
He stands up in the middle of this dirt road and he's standing on his own two feet. And the scriptures say something strong and something powerful happens because he says, I have appeared to you to appoint. Everyone say appoint. appoint. Yeah, he just received orders. Someone of authority has imparted direction to someone. God gives direction to Paul after he was changed. Watch this. When God shows up in your life and touches your life, he will show up as well and give you direction for your future that will be greater than your past. But it starts with a God moment. When God touches your life, he does not intend for you to stay the same person you've always been. He has full intentions in setting you on a new path in a new direction, changing your trajectory to greater places than ever before. And the cool part is, it's always about someone else. What? That makes no sense. God changes you to where you can change someone else. This proves that it's not about you. I grew up in an environment that, that without there ever being a, a formal declaration of this, it just naturally happened, and that was, some of y'all know what I'm talking about. We grew up in some environments where a God moment was about us. And we felt good. We got chill bumps to prove how good we felt. Oh, I just feel the glory. Look at them chill bumps. And we made it about us. It was all about us. I feel so much better. It was all about us. All about us. All about us. And I just need a touch from God. Why? Because I need, I need, I want, I want, I want. And the truth of the matter is, when God poured his spirit out in the book of Acts chapter number two, it was for the empowering, the equipping to those that were recipients of his spirit to go and share the word or the gospel of Jesus Christ with someone else. Here's my point. Paul was touched by God and then said to stand up, get on your own feet because I'm appointing you to take what's happened to you, share it with someone else that they might have a change take place in their life. God allowed Paul's pain, Paul's past Paul's former life to become his platform to reach other people by. Check this out. I'm about to set somebody free by the help of the Lord. Somebody's about to be delivered by this, uh, by this past that's nagging you and persisting uh, to tap you on the shoulder every now and then and let you know how bad you used to be. You've been forgiven and set free from those things but God allows you to remember some of those things where you can share with other people just how far God's brought you from. We want to be free from that, and God just wants you to remember just where he's brought you from. If it had not been for the Lord on my side, 
where would I be when I think of the goodness of Jesus Christ and how far he's brought me? Come on, somebody. Clap your hands this morning. Think about where he's brought you from. Woo! Has it been so long that you've forgotten where he found you? Has it been so long how you used to live and now look at yourself and what he's done for you, in you, and through you? Come on now. When I think about the goodness of Jesus and all that he's done for me, my soul wants to cry out, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, for setting me free. Man. Someone, I had a, I had a wedding to officiate yesterday and someone came over to me and said, man, you know, so-and-so, they're new to our church. They're loving your church, man. They're loving being around our church. And they even said that they really think you believe what you're preaching. <laughs> you want me to tell you why I believe what I'm preaching? Because I know where God brought me from. The reason I know how I'm preaching and why I preach the way I do is because you weren't with me in my yesterdays to see what God's forgiven me of, what God set me free from. When I think of the goodness of Jesus and all that he's done for me, my soul wants to cry out, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for setting me free. Yeah, I believe it. I believe what I'm preaching because I'm a testimony of the goodness of Jesus. Anybody remember where you were when he found you? Anybody remember where you were when you came to your right mind and said, I need a life's change. I need a moment. I need something to happen to set me free and change my course, change my direction, change my path. Oh, praise God. Thank you, Jesus, for not leaving me the way you found me. Thank you, Lord, for not just, not just walking by and saying it could be okay. Thank you, Lord, for changing me. Thank you, Lord, for clearing my mind, clearing my heart, clearing my conscience. Thank you, Lord, for giving me a fresh start, a new beginning, a new day, a, a clean slate. Thank you, Lord, for giving me another chance. By the grace and mercy of God, I've been given another chance. And so it is with you. He's given you another chance. And it's not just for your own edification. He's given you another chance to bless someone else. Now, let me help you understand this in closing this morning. As our prayer partners come, as our musicians team and worship team come and help me close, here's the critical hook of the day. You got to catch this. Check this out. Jesus said, stand on your own feet. I've appointed you to be a servant and a witness of what you've seen of me. And here's your mission from this day forward. I want you to use your past as a platform to reach someone else. Here's what I know about the odds that are stacked against you. Your past is so jacked up. It's so messed up. It's so crazy, and all of us is different in different ways. All of us have something different in our yesterday, but it's still there, and it wants to tell you, man, that's preachers preaching to everybody in this room but you, because it's impossible for you to be used. You've gone too far. You've done too much. 
He saved you, but there's no way he can use you. He's gonna use someone else to change their world. But your world, it's only gonna be able to be changed by someone else because your past is too marred. It's too flawed. It's too broken. It's got so much stuff in it. There's no way anybody's ever gonna listen to you because they know you. The truth be known. God wants to use your past to set someone else free. Now, I feel the Holy Spirit beginning to minister to some of you, and I'm fixing to become real. I'm fixing to touch some sensitive areas and just receive these next few moments. There's some of you in this room, in your past, you had to file bankruptcy. You wish you could just erase that three or four, five, six, seven years out of your life. You wish they didn't exist. Can I tell you something? There are others in this room that need to hear your story of how you came back. There are people in this room that have a history, a past, childhood abuse, childhood misuse. And oh, how you want to throw that in a dark closet, lock it up and throw away the key. But God has brought you peace. You've got some tough days, but look at you today. God's been good to you. And there are others that need to know how you survived. There are couples in this room. You've had to walk the tough road of divorce. You're remarried now. Or there's those in here that have divorced and yet to remarry. You don't want to talk about this. You don't want to face this. There's bitterness. There's broken trust. There's setbacks financially. There's disturbances with children now. It's all a mess. But yet, look at you. You're sitting on a church pew on a Sunday morning. God's been good to you through it all. Can I tell you, there are people in this room that need to hear your story. My story, your story. Let me tell you why. Because your story is so individual and personalized that no one can tell it in generalization. No one can tell the summary and make up names like Fred, Mike, and Aunt Margie because your story's real. Your story's true because you've lived it. And God has someone in your world that will not go another day into their future until they're set free from their past and they need to hear your story to encourage them that they too can have a God moment. Of all the people, God chose Saul of Tarsus to completely transform him into a writer of more than two-thirds of the New Testament. And Paul's story 
is still touching lives today by the millions. What could your story do? Because in every section of this little church in South Fort Worth, there are both stories of God's touch and there are stories of people bound by their past. You talk about a lesson in needing one another. We need each other. This is going to be a very unique, a very different altar appeal. And I just hope that you will participate to your full potential. I want you to stand and I want you to listen for the next 30 seconds before we worship. This is going to be different for us, but I'm so prepared to lead you in this direction. All over this room, will you bow your heads and will you close your eyes? And this is what we're asking for. Is there someone on your heart right now? Do you see that face of the family member or friend or coworker, a neighbor, that you know the past is holding them back? They don't feel like they're ever going to survive another day. They don't feel like they can ever break through and break out of their yesterday. Some of you are seeing a sibling's face. Others are even seeing a parent's face. Possibly you're seeing your own children. But may I say in the fear and the reverence of God, that face came to your mind and it was not by accident. Your story can play a role in setting them free from yesterday and this simple altar call is as, is as this will you step up to the plate against all the odds and will you be like Paul and use your life story to bring healing restoration forgiveness to someone else Will you be grateful for what God has done for you to the point where you'll bring forgiveness to someone else? As this worship team begins to sing, as we set our environment for our worship time with our lights, I just want to give you a moment to where you can come and say to the Lord, with the help of a prayer partner, I'm ready for the challenge. I'm ready to bring my story to someone else. I bless you.